It's eerie coming across the literary version of yourself, essentially the same person who lived a different life and made different decisions. Welcome, my Mimolites! Welcome, yes, welcome everyone to another round of the book reviews. Thank you for joining me. You're feeling the energy. I've taken a break away from doing these videos for a week or two, but I am back and you would not have noticed the change because I pre-recorded. Yeah, yeah. So what do we have for you today? Well, something that's quite fun, something I read, something I enjoy. It's another Aussie classic. If you're watching the video, you'll see me decked out in some Aussie gear. It is called My Brother Jack by George Johnston. So I'm saying it's an Aussie classic, but what is this synopsis? What is it about? So it was published in 1964 and it is the story of a fictional character, although it very much resembles the author and goes through his life from basically early childhood to middle age. And it's full of cultural snapshots. It's full of dash dreams. It's full of responsibility and full of war. So it's talking about Australia in this era of 1914-ish through to the end of the World War II or roughly around that period as well. So let's just say 1914 to 1950. It is narrated from the perspective of David Meredith and it is about himself. So contrary to the title, it is mostly an introspective book looking inwards, his feelings, his dreams, his actions, his thoughts, his movements, all of it is related to him. Now, that being said, his brother Jack does play an important part in it and is probably the second most important character. However, I do want to stress that it is about this person and it's not so much about his relationship with his brother Jack. It starts off with his early childhood and the effect that World War I had on it. So both of his parents went off overseas to Europe to these other places to either fight or help with the war effort. And so he was left with his brother on his own and also two sisters, I believe, but neither of them really gets mentioned much in the book. And this has a very peculiar effect on him. So when his parents do return home, they have all these war memorabilia and stories and they're constantly surrounded by cripples from the war. And the household has this peculiar air of sickness, of gloom, of misery, of something just not right. And this continues out through the book and through his family interactions, I would say. He never has an ideal family life. Now, the main polarity comes between him and his brother Jack. So he is very shy. He is very inward-looking, introspective person. As you can tell from the book, it is mostly about himself. Whereas his brother Jack is more physical. He goes and works out on the farms. He's chasing girls. He wants to become a fighter in World War II in preparation for this. However, he's not able to be sent overseas because he has a nasty leg break. And then this subsequently goes on and on. And this splitting up this polarity just increases and funnily enough both of them have a negative sort of sense happening to them david is stuck in this world where he doesn't love his wife where he is trapped by his own material wealth and success and things like this whereas his brother jack wants a very simple life he has one goal but just isn't able to achieve it because of his health of this infirmity and so you see both of them really struggling with their lives and the paths that's taking them, both of them almost have dashed dreams of a sort. And this reflects in their occupations, in everything about them, really. They both have this polarity between them, this difference between them, even though both of them come from the same stock. I touch on the author. This is a life-informed story. So if you look at the life of George Johnston, it is very similar to the life of David Meredith. However, he has added a particular 
couple of things into this which weren't technically true, which weren't technically correct. And in the back of the book, you'll find a couple of the footnotes of other people who have read the story and have added, "Mm, this probably didn't happen. However, a lot of it does seem to be about him. So it is one of those books where the author is really exposing himself in a way, but using it through this method of a different person. So onto the main themes of the book. And I've got two that I'm going to focus on. One which reflects the character of David, the author, the narrator, and one which is more reflective of his brother, Jack. And so what is reflective of David? And I'm going to say shirking, which is an avoidance of duty and or responsibility. What you really see in the book is that David is more of an avoidance type personality. He will shy away from things. He doesn't do things. Whereas his brother Jack is more pushing forward. He makes actions. He tells it straight. He does things in the world. So here's a couple of things that David doesn't do. So he doesn't go back home to help his mom. So his mom gets sick and he's the one who sort of runs away a little bit, is living with a friend and doesn't want to go back home to help, even though he does sort of want to help, but he doesn't at the same time. He's always full of these doesn'ts. Another, he doesn't help Jack join the army. Jack really, really wants to join the army. He suffers his leg break and David has the connections, the opportunities to help make this happen for him. But once again, he doesn't do this. He doesn't enlist, but he doesn't object to the war at the same time. He's sort of in this middle space where he feels it's an obligation to join, but he has other people telling him, no, you don't need to. You, oh, you're so special. You can help the war effort by writing these stories and things like this. And he uses this as an excuse, but it's an avoidance of sorts. He always is avoiding something. His wife, Helen, for example, he doesn't divorce her. He doesn't bring up the issue that what are we doing in this life where we've got this fancy house? I hate all our neighbors. I hate the people that you're friends with. I don't even particularly like you as a person. He's always just going with the flow of other people and not stamping his own personality. And I, this is where I'm saying the shirking comes in. He's avoiding that responsibility, that duty that is of him to almost create his own life. He's just shirking from everything and going with the flow. So let's dive into the shirking. What is it about him that is producing this result of not doing things? He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. And I don't feel it's excessive fear. That's not really the the feel of the book that I got from it, but it's not cowardice either. So it's it's close though. It's something similar to that. Most of the time, I think people take the the opportunity to not do things is because when they let things happen to them, that's when you can play the victim status card. Ah, this happened to me. The world was bad to me in this way. This occurred to me. I couldn't have done anything about it, etc., etc. I didn't really feel that was exactly what he was doing because he didn't play that card at, at, at all in the book. He wasn't like he was drowning in his own self-misery and contempt and, oh, woe is me, that sort of stuff. And so for me, I feel it's it's drawing the root from his his past and going back to him as a child. What were some of the things that occurred to him there? And for me, it really seemed that when he did make some decisions as a child, he got beat down and I mean literally. So anytime that he stood up to his father, he got beat down. He There's this one particular scene where his father is a basically a, a person who has not achieved his dreams in life. This book is full of dashed dreams. And so he takes it out on his children, beating the shit out of them. His brother Jack stands up to him at one point and says, hey, if you do this again, I'm going to fight back. And this is when he has reached an age of maturity where physically he can do that. 
And so then David gets double the punishment when he does try and do something like this himself, he gets beaten into unconsciousness. And there's just a couple of decision points that seem to really occur in the book where David makes a choice and then is immediately reprimanded or something bad happens. And so I feel he it's like a learned thing. He learns to not make choices because every time he does this, something bad happens to him. So he's definitely incapable of action. Is there anything beneath that? Can we go deeper and deeper? I did get a feeling that he was trying to deny reality in a way. And this is where he would come up with lies for himself and for other people to justify what was going on. And I think that's probably the root cause. He was really, really comfortable with distorting the truth. You can see this in his actions as a reporter and a writer. He says one of the things that made him special in a way was he was able to distort the truth, that he would exaggerate, that he would be comfortable putting in these additional details that never really occurred, that he was in this battle and did this thing and this is what it felt like, even though he was safe behind the lines in headquarters and things like that. And this ability to distort the truth and lie might be useful in that sense in a career-wise type progression, but when you apply it to your own life, this is where you come up with that facing of the truth, which is what your life is really like, the, the lie, what you are hoping it is like, and when they butt up against each other, you just have this, this meal mix of not being able to do anything. And I think this is his main problem. He is comfortable with distorting the truth, and so this therefore makes it able for him to be able to get away with non-action for not doing all of these things because he can then try and distort it later. And while this works for a while, it doesn't seem to end up well for him. And then this is getting right back to the shirking, the avoiding of duty, of responsibility. He uses it through inaction. He uses it through lying. And both of those meld together for him to be somewhat of a weak character in the book. So we've explored David's character in one theme. The other theme is old mate, what makes an Aussie man? And this is where we see the focus on the book really is on the men in the story because there are quite a few females, his sisters, for example, they get written out of it pretty completely. There's only a couple of lines of them in the book. Even his mum, to a certain extent, is in reaction to his father. So she's not really asserting herself in the world. This is more of a secondary character. And, and it seems like all the women in the book play a relatively minor role compared to the men. And, you know, this is just the way he wrote it. So that's totally fine. What is it that makes an Aussie man? And this is where I think we're honing in on Jack's character because he is probably as Aussie as you can get for that time period. He would have been one of the exemplars of this is what it is like to be an Aussie man. So I'll list a couple of the things that Jack did and some character traits that were in him. So for example, he had this adventurous spirit. Um, this is talked about in the book where it seems that the Aussies have this particular type of wanting to go forward in the world that they were former convicts and they were former people who were going around the world in the English empire and then they came to Australia and that's like, hell yeah, a new place, let's explore it. You go inland and then you're like, no, fuck it, this is way too bad in here, let's go explore elsewhere. So he was saying this explained why there was a, a mad rush of people wanting to join the army and this, for example, was his brother Jack. His brother Jack was yes, I want to go out, I want to explore the world, I want to fight for my country, I want to, etc., etc. Another was the physicality. So Jack is always mentioned in terms of strength, in terms of his boxing ability. And you can see when he starts to lose it, when he breaks his leg, and then this is where subsequent 
bad things keep happening to him. He's unable to join the army and then he has to start working these shit kicker jobs and then all of these things keep piling up on him. So this is when he almost loses his Aussie spirit. So Jack is a very physical Aussie man and this seems to exemplify or this is what an, an Aussie is. Another was being a straight talker. So he is really down the road he doesn't mince words if someone is doing something bullshit he'll call them out on that that is very obvious in the book and is probably what i would say aussies like to at least think of themselves i'm not sure if that's actually true but hell let's just go with it for the moment joviality and i suppose the ability to just be continually seeing on the bright side of life like this is okay this is going bad but hey this is what can come from it this is something that could be good in the future and so Jack really embodies all of these. Every action that he takes is a mixture of one of these or multiple different things. And David is the complete opposite of these things. He's not really a jovial person. He's, he's rather dour. As I already mentioned, he's comfortable with lying. So he's definitely not a straight talker. His weakness, his inability to be strong is very apparent throughout most of the book. And then he doesn't have this adventurous spirit. He is almost forced to go overseas, to go all of these places, but he doesn't really enjoy it. He's just going and doing it for the purpose of going and doing it. Now, I think this is what the book was trying to push, convey. This is what an Aussie is. This is how an Aussie behaves. Jack is an Aussie. Do I agree with this? Well, I think it's hard to categorize because... There is a very common saying, and I believe this to be true, that there is more differences in groups than between groups. So if I was to take the average Aussie of this time and the average Englishman, the differences between the two would probably be not that much. There would be some, but not hugely dissimilar. And then if we take for Jack and his brother David, for example, that's where you see the big differences in in-group. They're both Aussies. They're both in the Aussie group. But Jack is the better man. He is the better Aussie. He is the better person. Whereas David is the sort of weak, shrewd, sniveling, cowardly type, shirking man. So this is where you see that split between the two. So is this really easy to say this is what an Aussie is and this is what an Aussie isn't? I'm not so sure about that. And I'm also not sure about the things that I've listed here. These are the things that I took from the book as saying this is what an Aussie is, the adventurous spirit, the physicality, the joviality, things like that. But one of the things I think is really true as well is that it's really hard to know these for yourself when you're in the group. It's almost like it's too close to home. It's your part of it. So it's really hard to be introspective in that sort of case. I know personally for myself, I am much more comfortable saying things about other groups, about Colombians, about Englishmen about Americans than I am about saying Australians because mm, for me, it's just me being me or me just being part of this life. It's hard to know. Am I really authentically Australian or am I maybe one of the Davids of the world who is not embodying this Australian spirit? It's really hard to tell. So for that aspect on that theme of an old mate, what is an Aussie? I think there is some definite points in this book which point out, yes, this is maybe some things we would like to say about Australians and, and whatnot, but taking as a whole group, as a whole concept and saying this is what an Aussie is, I think that's a little bit hard and it's much easier to point out a single person like Jack, for example, and say, whatever it is that he has, this is an Aussie pure to his bone. I was already speaking pretty subjectively quite then, so let's just keep it going. We're on to my personal observations and some takeaways. Now, there was many moments in this book for me where I just went, wow. And 
not in a particularly good way because there was a mix of disgust, there was a mix of worry and a mix of, holy shit, this is bang right on. And for me, that was the character of David, the main narrator. There was way too much of me in him. And I really felt myself looking at David and saying, damn, this is me. This is how I used to behave in all of these small ways of you know, even simple things, his inability to speak to women, that feeling that he had and where he would shut himself on off in his room and, you know, study academically, work hard on that one area of his, of his life, completely avoid the thing that he really needed to fix up, that inability to speak to women, to socialize. And I saw myself, that's exactly what I used to do. That was me. The scariness of violence because he was small and weak and not that I particularly got picked upon, but neither did he in the book. And it was just the proximity to violence would really scare him and and push him away. This inability to take decisions, to make actions, to have confidence, to assert himself in the world. Once again, man, I was looking at that and going, damn, that is exactly how I used to behave. Now, I suppose the good thing is I saw myself diverging from him in certain points and there were a couple of decisions where I had made almost the exact opposite of what he did. I didn't stay with the girl who would not have been suited for me because I knew that that would be a long-term, very bad thing to happen. Whereas he just let it slide. He just went away with it. He went, okay, I'm with her and just let her continually make all the decision, her push forward. So there was many moments where I went, man, I'm really, really similar to him. And then also, who, thank God, I didn't make some of the decisions as him because if you were just to take, let's just say, character or innate personality that's probably better because character can somewhat be built innate personality if you took me and him and put them both together and you know examine them compared them i think as children and probably leading up into the age of 20 or whatever something like that you would look at both of them and say no that's pretty much the same person whereas thankfully the decisions i made aren't the same as him and so I can look at my life at roughly the same point that he was looking at his life and say, you know what, I'm pretty happy, I'm pretty content in many ways, whereas David is really struggling with some certain things and it seems to always have this worry in him, this looking at himself and not being happy with what he sees. Another observation I made of this was I feel really good books have many themes in them and you struggle to pick which one you want to talk about. So much like James Hilton's Lost Horizon, There were so many different themes in this book that I wanted to explore. I chose the two main ones because I felt they reflected the title and reflected the author. However, I could have gone down so many different routes. For example, I could have talked about the familial bond. So what it is like to have a brother, a father, a mother who maybe you have this polarities within them. I could have talked about the war fever. So he particularly is referencing the lead up to World War II. So what that feeling was like in the air in Melbourne and Australia, but also that post-war period of World War I and of being on the dole and people looking for work and what those changes had as a whole, as a general, what it is that in the air that, oh, something feels weird here. I could have talked about deception, how that relates to lying and how your life can change if you're not being true to yourself in, in accepting reality, I would say, childhood baggage do the things that happen to you in your childhood have to affect your later adulthood can you get over some of these things or are they something that is always going to be there that you can never get rid of there's some definite points in this book where you look at what happened to him as a child and say hmm i can see how this is affecting him later on down the route 
does this need to be like that? Does it need to stay like that? Or could he do some things to change this? I could have talked about weak character, what it is that makes a person weak or looking at someone and saying, man, that is not a cool person to be around. I wouldn't want to be them. And what personality traits and what things are in that that makes them weak and snivelly and all those bad things that we don't talk about. The cause of World War II, he sort of talks about this a bit. What was it that was really the driving force behind World War II? Probably not the best book for it because I think you really need to be have a European context for that, but you can still get the feeling from the perspective of an Australian far away from it, what it was like to get the news much later because this is where you were getting ships coming in and so you were getting the news always behind what it is like what is the feeling in the air once again coming back to that feeling and real feeling versus intellectual feeling a polarity that really is between the two characters in the book david meredith and his brother jack jack is a real feeling type of person whatever comes to him he gets it and he just expresses it and it's like that this is the way it is Whereas David has this intellectual feeling. He tries to put a spin on it in his mind. He tries to add things, subtract things, do all these things, which is good because you can come up with abstract thoughts. You can come up with different things, but you can struggle and maybe not see what is truly real and be part of the moment. We've come to the end, the summary of the book and this book hit home card and it was maybe even too close to home. I saw the life of David Meredith. I saw what he was like as a person. I saw myself in him and boy, I did not like that. So maybe a a point of introspective for me. I think I already have addressed most of the issues that I see in myself and him as a bad thing. But man, reading about that and reading about what was essentially an alternate Chiron, living an alternate life was bizarre, was a little bit eerie. I did like that the book addressed other aspects such as war, such as the feeling in the air such as what it is to be an Aussie, things like this. And right at the end of the book, the very last scene, the non-interaction, the shirking of responsibility that David shows throughout to his brother Jack is just exemplified. It's the epitome of a shit person and just left me reeling going, damn, David is a crap person. This was close to my top 10 list. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10 My Brother Jack by George Johnston. And to cap off this Aussie book, I'll talk about some Aussie slang. When I'm reading an Aussie book, I'll try and express what these words mean in the English language. Number one popping up is hooroo. Man, this is Aussie and old Aussie at that. I'm not exactly sure what it means. I think it's more of a goodbye, a way to say see ya rather than hello. One of my mum's friends still says this and she is in her 60s, 70s and this is just something that is really part of her vocab. I have not heard other people, particularly my age and younger, say this. So, hooroo, nipper, this refers to a young person, particularly a boy, but I think just for for young people in general, you will see this in particular with the surf lifesaving clubs, their competitions, their names for the, let's just say, sub 15 category i'm not exactly sure but definitely young people they are called nippers ropeable this is definitely an australian one and this is to feel hard done by or to feel slighted or to even be angry you can say oh that guy's ropeable or man i was ropeable as as in 
man, disgusted, something bad happened to you and you've got a, a feeling, a negative feeling in you. And the last one is flog. And this can have multiple interpretations. And I saw it used multiple times in the book for different things. So it can mean to hit something as in flogging something. This is probably the standard definition. To flog something in Australian English also means to steal something, to get something acquired and then also to sell it. So, oh, I'm going to flog something off. And this maybe refers to more of selling something that you don't particularly want or selling something in a slightly underhanded manner, for example, oh, I'm just going to flog that off. And so those are the Aussie English slang that I took from this book. So mere modelites, we've come to the end of another book review. And I really do want to thank you for joining me up until this point. If you'd like to hear more, you can hit follow or subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening on. And if you could go over to Apple and iTunes and leave five stars and a nice review, that really does help me out. To interact or connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Mere Mortals Podcast. And other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.